Welcome back to uh, the Chelsea Fancast, the 50 Years of Chelsea series. This uh, this evening we're doing 1998 to 1999. Uh, we're halfway through. We've just seen out the uh, the year of 1998. Um, and we've got uh, the remainder of the season from January to come. And I am, of course, Stanford Chidge. And uh, so far this evening I've been enjoined, uh, enjoined. I suppose that's one way of putting it. I've been joined by Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Enjoined. I like that. that. It's yeah. almost... 18th century. I've been joined by ye old Jonathan Kidd. Ye old um, Jonathan Kidd, yes. Yep. Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, it, it's lovely to be um, with Mark, who um, sets me right on a couple of occasions when I say things and get them wrong. So it's, um, I'm pleased that Mark is on the programme. You still don't share my view about how lovely, you know, Sam Zellabon hairs is compared to Conor Gallagher. <laughs> he's, got, he's, got, he's got the Conor Gallagher hair look about no, him. No, no, no. I'm just jealous. No, you know no. that. You know. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't agree. I, you know, Conor Gallagher's got nothing on Sam Zellabon's hair, mate. But, uh, yeah, as you've probably heard, uh, we're also joined by the absolutely brilliant Mark Meehan, who uh, knows more about Chelsea Football Club than uh, I've uh, forgotten so uh, and i've forgotten a lot so and he's about to freeze these rocks off in oldham yeah so there we go yeah in fact there we go we'll kick off first match of course of the new year's traditionally uh third round of the fa cup and of course uh, 1999 was no different a competition that we've always loved but particularly at this time uh of the of, of the chelsea history we love particularly because we've uh we won it uh not uh you know uh, two seasons ago so uh Yes, we've got Oldham Athletic uh, away at Boundary Park, uh, one of the most, one of the highest uh, grounds in the country, and usually absolutely brass fecking monkeys as a result. Oh. And uh, that particular Saturday, Mark was uh, was uh, no different, was it? Uh, no different. It, yeah, as you say, it is one of the highest points. But it, I think there'd been snow up there as well. It was bloody freezing up there. Uh, went up there, guy I know from my Chelsea Independent days, Andrew Renstrow was up there. Uh, in the car was Smithy. Smithy was with us. Um, and Mr. Johnson was with us as well. Uh, so we went up there in time for a pub. Uh, and we just need to find a pub to warm up. You know, because you, you, you know, it was so cold up there. The, the only interesting thing about Oldham, uh, again, you know, if you've ever been to Oldham, as you enter Oldham, you know they have this sign, welcome to welcome. Uh, welcome to Oldham, the home of the tubular bandage. <laughs> I'm not even sure what a tubular bandage is. Well, I know I've had tubular bandages on before. You, you, um, you put them on via um, a, a metal cage you put over your your foot to get them onto your leg. Yeah. Um. Uh, so it stretches over, and of course the trouble is you do yourself a mischief when you put the because the metal cage never ever fitted your foot. So you're always uh, whatever injury you had, you're always hurting it in the first place. If so, you're not careful, um, if you're not careful, you'll end up with tubular balls. Hey, if it goes yeah. high enough, very clever. Very clever. Yeah. And Phil Babb's probably still got those. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so Oldham is home of the tubular bandage. Really, so it's really cold good. up there. We needed to find a pub just to warm up. Uh, and this pub was closed, but it wasn't closed, if you know what I mean. So we went up and like, you know, asked the guy in the door. And I can't do a northern accent, and I won't even try. But his opening line was, it's warm up here. And I think it was warm to him, but it was bloody freezing cold to us. Um, so, couple of you know, couple of drinks beside a warm fire. Walked down the hill to um, Boundary Park, um, and there's this. I've, I've, I'd probably call this if we had Guinness moments in 1999. This would be a Guinness moment. The referee for the day was Paul Durkin. Salary moment, Paul, not Guinness. Sorry, salary moment. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> salary moment. Um, Paul Durkin's the referee, and very early on in the game. Um, 
And I think Chelsea had probably two thirds of the stand behind the goal. And Chelsea scored early on in the first half. And it's a blatant handball by Senesin Babiaro. And then Wise puts the ball in. Now everyone can see, you know, <laughs> it's handball. Uh, but Durkin gives the goal, you know, initially. No, no signal from the linesman. So the Oldham fans, because big crowd, you know, fancy their chances, a bit of giant killing on, on a, a rock-hard frozen pitch because uh, those sudden softies. Um, so the Oldham fans go absolutely ballistic, you know, because Chelsea have got given the goal. And Durkin gets polaxed by a hot dog. <laughs> he, he gets hit by a hot dog. And like the St. John's ambulance people have to come on and treat him. And I don't know whether or not, while, while he's down, and at this present moment, like Chelsea are technically 1-0 up. Uh, there's no VAR. The linesman hasn't signalled it. So there's a policeman there. And whether the policeman said, like, well, there'll be a bloody riot if you give that goal, it was bloody and ball. Yeah. So Durkin then sort of has a chat with the linesman and he disallows the goal. Yeah. Which, I don't know, it was fair. So um, I, I, don't, I don't know what actually happened, but clearly, you know, he was down and the goal was given. Then he got up and, he, and the goal was disallowed. He got hit by a flying hot dog. And there's a quote by um, Oldham's manager after the game, Andy Ritchie, who we once tried to buy yeah. when Jeff Hurst was good there. Player. Very good player. Very good player, Andy Ritchie. Very good player. And United originally. Yep. Yeah, shame we didn't get him in the 80s. We might not have been stuck in the gloomy years for too too long. As we'd sort of, yeah. And Andy Ritchie basically says, when they ask him about the sort of flying hot dog, he says, well, thank goodness it wasn't one of the local pies. Yeah. <laughs> that would have done more damage than a brick. <laughs> um, well, I, I went up there and found myself in the director's box, courtesy of one Robert Steen, who was uh, as a... Um, I've known for many years, who's a, a stalwart Chelsea fan. And a and, lovely, um, lovely man. And a lovely man. Absolutely agree with you. And um, um, uh, and I saw this incident, the very same incident that you uh, uh, you mentioned, and I was going to mention it because I thought, uh, I, you know, I, I, was, I was present and uh, nobody else will remember this. And you've explained it absolutely perfectly, Mark. Of course you'd be there. Of course you'd get it. And yes, Baba Yaro was one of the most blatant handballs into the goal that I've ever seen for the goal to be given. So I, were, I was chuckling away with thinking that he's given this Durkin and it's going to be a goal. Ridiculous. And indeed, the policeman came onto the pitch and had a word with Durkin. And he changed his decision after that, because I remember thinking, what is exactly the same? What has he said to the referee here? As he said, you know, it, it was, I think you I think you ought to know, Mr. Durkin, that was definitely handball or something, <laughs> something, you know, something like that, whether he actually said that or whether, um, because he changed his decision. But yes, he was on the floor <laughs> coming on and me thinking, God, it's all happening here. Um, and all the Chelsea players had gone back thinking the goal was going to be given. They all go back to the halfway line. And um, uh, and this all this ructions going on. But it was definitely influenced by the policeman. Absolutely, definitely. And rightly so, because it was such blatantly, blatant handball. So there we go. Well, um, it didn't really matter because uh, guess who scored two goals? Luca Viali uh, on oh. 68 minutes and 75 minutes. So we, we, we went through fairly. We nicked- Flo was injured, though, Chidge. Well, I was going to just you beat me to it. Yeah. Oh, on, sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. It's all right. On, uh, on 68 minutes, uh, Flo got a nasty... Uh, bang on his ankle. I can't remember the offending uh, Oldham player, but uh, the worst thing about that, I mean, we remember we've just lost uh, Gus Poyer, who's been scoring goals for fun. 
Um, I mean, as Mark's saying in, in, before the break, you know, 11 goals in 21 games. So that we're getting a lot of goals from Poyet, and we're also getting a fair few goals from uh, Tori Andre Flo. And uh, he then gets injured, and he's out for six weeks. Brilliant. So now we've lost two of our uh, main uh, goal threats in the space of about a week. Lovely. That will have ramifications later on, which we will discuss in the summary. Anyway, before all of that, uh, we then have Newcastle away in the league. And what, you want to pop in? Yeah, just just a couple of things. Uh, One, a certain John George Terry makes his full league debut in this game. No, full debut. Against Newcastle? Against Oldham. Against Oldham. Right. Yeah, he actually he played up at Oldham and they played him at right back. Right yeah. back, yeah. yeah. Newcastle away was the next match. Uh, uh, again, a fairly routine one 0 win, I suppose. But I say that, and I, I mean that's probably not actually true at all. Uh, but Petrescu sort of decent goal on thirty nine minutes. The interesting thing, of course, is Rude Hullet was now their manager. I'm just checking to see if Shearer played, and disappointingly, he does. So they perhaps they haven't perhaps they haven't actually fallen out yet. Does Fiali uh, play in this game? I don't think he does. Does he? Chid? Well, that's more interesting. I, I shall tell you who our side is, knowing that we don't have Flo <laughs> and we don't have Poye, but we've got Ed Dehoy, Petrescu, Leboeuf, Desai. Viali does play. Right. Uh, good. Wise, Dubry, Graham Lasso, Roberto De Matteo, Albert Ferrer, and Zola. So, um. It kind of makes you think that uh, that that Viali's gone. Oh shit! We haven't got anybody to score goals, so maybe I should pick myself, as I'm actually rather good at scoring them. I mean, you know, you're not going to argue with him and Zola up front, are you? Oh no, that's a decent attack. Oh, should have played all season. Never mind. So, so there you go. I mean, I hate to tell you, J.K. In the next, oh no, he plays in the next match too. I mean, the interesting thing is, by the way, um, I saw it in, I think it might have been for the Oldham match. This will have resonance a bit later. No, yeah, uh, uh, no. I've seen Forcell on the bench in a match fairly recently. Yeah, he was on the bench for the Man U game. Okay, the home game against Man U. So it's a he, 17-year-old for yes, sale. Yes, I know, but the, that has that has uh, you know relevance uh, in 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 a short while. Next match at home, Coventry. We we win two one. We're still top of the league, by the way, folks. Uh, just to put your minds at rest, as uh, we were saying, uh, Luca Viali starts in this one. Uh, but Leboeuf uh, and De Matteo score uh, the goals here. Huckabee put them ahead on nine minutes. Bloody Huckabee again. Uh, and, and another and another ninety-minute winner, Mark. Another one, um, yeah. I mean, you know, just as well. And uh, then Oxford. In talking of ninety-minute winners, uh, Oxford away in the cup. You would have thought was fairly straightforward. No, not a bit of it. That this, I forgot all about the fact that he played for them. Dean Bloody Windass, fifty-two minutes, put them ahead. Looked rather pleased with himself for doing so. Uh, but thankfully, we got out of the ship because uh, uh, LeBeuf scored a 90-minute penalty, at which point, Mark, he scored 15 out of 15 penalties. Very good penalty taker, LeBeuf was. Yeah, you, you could almost put your mortgage on him. You, know. uh, you think down the years, we've had lots of penalty takers missed. Yeah, we're, we're almost in that place now with Jorginho. You know, when we get a penalty, you know, you, you're actually quite confident we'll score. Same with LeBeuf. Yeah, and that that was... You know, last last kick of the game. Basically, we got out of jail up at Oxford. Yeah, yep, I don't think well, to, to, to debate this with you here, um, Mister Mister Brain of Britain, Mister Mister Fishbrain here, Mister So Called Brain of Britain, Britain even. No, no, I'd, I'd like to call him that. I'd like to call him that. <laughs> I thought you were kind of saying it in a Mister So Called Brain of Britain. Yes, way. I was slightly. I was slightly <laughs> saying it like that, but it's. But I can't. I can't 
really follow that through. I can't I, because he, he he is so so informed. But um, in this particular instance, you're you're presuming that with the expression "got out of jail," that um, uh, we were lucky to get the penalty. And I remember at the time thinking, "Oh, I think that Viali may have dived." Or I remember at the time thinking, "Oh, um, uh, I thought he'd it, weirdly how time plays tricks with your mind that he'd flamboyantly fallen over in the area." And of course, the reality was that he'd been challenged by um, Kevin uh, Francis by, by, by um, an enormous was there wasn't it um, Prentice Prentice Kevin Pre Francis no it's Kevin Francis Kevin Francis he's about six foot seven yeah well I thought he, oh Francis all oh, right yes that's right that's right and he was yeah. there centre forward wasn't he yeah yes. that's right he, he gets the penalty away yeah of course he gets that's right but he his challenge nowadays would be seen as absolutely nailed on penalty. I mean, it just took him out completely, but with with the ball at the same time. But the follow through was absolutely ridiculous. Um, and yet all the players really gave the referee an absolute hard time for doing it and saying he played the ball. He played the ball. It wasn't a man at all. And yet it was just scything, a scything, ridiculous tackle for the last uh, minute of the game. I don't know what, what he was entered it was, his it mind was a forward tackle it was, it was a penalty um how we got out uh, how we got out of jail free was oh i see what you mean the fact he gave it away rather no, than no 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 it, the 90 minutes of the game we did not play well against oxford. no 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 we didn't. we didn't we didn't play well against oxford and we got a penalty which was a penalty but it was the last minute right, right, right. But no no why, why i presume that you were saying it wasn't a penalty we got out of jail. No, was, penalty. No, 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 okay. yeah but yeah. i remember at the time though the debate was around me even amongst chelsea fans a few that wasn't even a penalty but looking no, at but it it now, was a penalty it yeah. was definitely a penalty yeah. yeah well there we go so we have that means we have to have a replay against oxford which will be at home uh, a few maybe about a week later um anyway the next match is back in the premier league and we go up to highbury and i'm sorry to tell everybody that uh, our unbeaten run uh, comes to a dreadful and dreary end. We lose 1-0 uh, to a Dennis Bergkamp uh, goal on 32 minutes. And Mark, for the... I mean, uh, you know, it's well-known fact that I'm, I hate Arsenal to pieces. And actually, this is one of the one of the many reasons why, Mark, what happened at that match. Oh, no, again, well, my unbeaten run comes to an end as well. Having, having gone to Highbury in November and seen us win for the first time ever going there... You know, then to go back in January and lose. But they started this song, which they then sang for the next four and a bit seasons, five seasons. Have you ever seen Chelsea win the league? Have you ever seen Chelsea win the league? Have you ever seen Chelsea win the league? No, you fucking ain't. Or you've seen it in black and white, depending on which version they did. Yeah. They did. Yeah, there was that one was you won the league in the 50s. Yeah, you, you won, won the, the league, league in black and white. Yeah. You won the league in black and white. You won the league in black. It really irritated it me. It started oh, here. Yeah. Another reason to hate Arsenal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really can't stand them, mate. And I mean, actually, also matched by United. I mean, several years later. When, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? We were talking about the, the away support being in the East Stand, but I remember us playing Man United, um, would have been about 2003, uh, possibly, 2002, 2003. And uh, they started this in the second half at the lemon break. And they just were going 48 years, 48 years, 48 years, 48 yeah. years. Four, and it just went on and on. And on, and if I could have jumped from the Matthew Harding upper and landed on some big northern fucker's head, I would have gladly done it. I was it, so fucked off. And it, and it started here, like you know, Arsenal fans started there. And and again, we were saying before we came on tonight. Um, and again, I don't know if people who are listening knew him, uh, but 
around about this time or perhaps the following season, because you know every other fan picked up on it after Arsenal. I actually did an article for the Chelsea magazine called Have You Ever Seen Chelsea Win the League? And the two guys that I knew who had seen Chelsea win the league was the late Ron Hawkins. Uh, people who've been following Chelsea know who Ron Hawkins is. Uh, and his fellow guy that used to work with him in the old supporters shop on the Fulham Road where Dave and Marco's stall is now was a gentleman called Peter Kemp. Uh, and if you keep an eye on Twitter or sort of social media, Peter Kemp sadly passed away last week. You know, I think Pete was in his 80s, a long-standing Chelsea fan there in Athens in 1971. And if you were going to Chelsea in the 1970s and 80s, when you know the old support shop was there, you were either going in, going upstairs to see Ron, to book a ticket for Ron's train, or you were rummaging through loads and loads of cardboard boxes and buying programmes off Peter. Um, you know, so, you know, he was a part and parcel of many Chelsea fans' lives, like growing up, you know, and then, you, you know, he'd go to every game home and away. So really sad, like, you know, thoughts are with Peter's, um, his friends, his family, you know, and a, a real loss, you know, a really big Chelsea fan, you know, and he, he sadly passed on. Mm, absolutely. Good good words, Mark. Um, the other thing to say about that Arsenal match was that Mikel Forsell came on on 74 minutes to replace Franco Zola to make his debut. Now, why am I bringing this up on a match that we don't really want to remember? Uh, by the way, we're down to second um, at that point because in the next match is the replay, uh, literally the Wednesday after uh, the replay uh, against Oxford United in the FA Cup. And uh, Mark, this was all about Mikel Forsell, wasn't it, this match really? Uh, what a home debut. Um, so having got out of jail, you know, up at the manor ground, you know, we allow Oxford to take the lead in the replay, but very quickly, Wise gets us back in the game. Zola then makes it 2-1, and then Forsell takes over. You know, 17 years of age, you know, uh, and his first goal just, you know, after half-time, cuts in from where the West Stands or Matthew Harding corner is, puts it into the top corner, you know, and then seven minutes later, he hits one from outside the area. So two goals in 17 minutes. And great 17. goals, Mark. Great goals. Great, great goals. You know, and you sort of think, oh, this kid, you know, you know, what what a debut showing a hell of a lot of promise. And you're looking forward to seeing him in a Chelsea shirt in future years, you know. Um, and you know, sadly it doesn't it doesn't really happen for Mikel Forsell. You know, yeah, you know, he only starts 12 games in the next five years, spends a load of time out on loan. But for that brief moment, that debut was just absolutely amazing, with absolutely two brilliant goals. Yeah, you know, it gets it gets a few more goals later in the season, but yeah, if you were there that night for that Oxford game, yeah, what a debut. Yeah, I mean, he was known as the the the, the Finnish uh, Michael Owen, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he never really... It's very mysterious because he has so much talent. Uh, we then play Saints at home. We win 1-0. Uh, Wednesday, Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup in the next round having beaten Oxford. To say that Wisey was sent off. In oh, the, God, yeah, I should have mentioned that. You're right. In the Oxford game. Again, so that's... See, I think that's three times he's been sent off this season. But weirdly, in the little stats at the back, it says he only got two two red cards. No, he got two red cards and he got a double yellow at Everton. Ah, and right. this JK, this is key, you know, because although he had two other suspensions previously in the season, we still got 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 by okay. There's a game coming up where you'd sort of think you'd really want Dennis Wise in your team. But before we move on to that, obviously you mentioned the Southampton game. There is a significant thing in Chelsea fans' history of your modern day, you know, Chelsea fan experience. If you come out of Fulham Broadway, and we talk about this on the show quite frequently, you walk across the road, you see Marco, you see Mr. Oh. Only Pound himself. 
you know, and on, on this particular day, if you came out of Fulham Broadway station in February 1999, you'd have purchased for the very first time from Mr. Johnson, a fanzine called Matthew Harding's Blue and White Army, which later was renamed CFC UK. So the immortal chant of hurry up, it's only a pound, Matthew Harding's Blue and White Army fanzine started from the Southampton game. Wow. I didn't know that. That's brilliant. That's uh, that's really interesting. 20 odd years later. Yeah. 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 Well, more, isn't it now? Ooh. 2022. I oh. mean, when did it become CFC UK then? Oh, I think it was about 10 years in. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, the, the fanzine was in memory of Matthew. Uh, and I think I think as we move more into Roman's time, I think you know, Dave decided to change it to CFC UK. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to look that out for next time, yeah. But yeah, this is like the first ever issue of Dave's fanzine. And the strange thing was, I mentioned the Oldham game and going up to Oldham with Dave um, and that, that pub with the bouncer with the Northern accent saying how warm it was. He obviously telling me that obviously, you know, he's starting up his own fanzine. I wished him well. It's almost like, you know, ha- having started his literary career by giving his first written job in the Chelsea Independent to see him then plough his own fire and start his own fanzine. It's like almost like a proud father, lovely, you know. Lovely. He's making his own way in life, producing his own fanzine, bless him. And, and hasn't he done well, bless him? He still has it now. Well. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so there we go. So we beat Saints 1-0. Uh, we then get, uh, we've got Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup, uh, having beaten Oxford, of course. Uh, we get through that 1-0, courtesy of an 85th minute goal by Di Matteo. Another late winner, Mark. But with blonde hair, but with he blonde hair, especially for the game. That's right. I was, I was there at um, at the game, and um, I was intrigued by uh, the fact that lots of people were saying, "Who's the bloke with the blonde hair?" Because nobody could recognise him because they didn't they didn't appreciate that it was uh, Di Matteo. Bizarre. Why did he dye it? For a bet? I know Petrescu had dyed his hair. Perhaps it was. But a, that was yeah. for the World Cup in '98. I know, but he, he he then appeared variously during the season with blonde hair, Petrescu. So perhaps it was. Something that he approved. They of. did get on very well, those two, didn't they? They were good mates, I think. I don't. I don't know. I that, think they but... were. I think they yeah. were. Right. Next match, uh, Blackburn at home, uh, one all. Uh, annoyingly, uh, and you know, I just said that uh, Leboeuf has scored fifteen out of fifteen penalties, which is quite miraculous. Guess what? He missed this one. Saved ten minutes in from. Uh, I would imagine it's Tim Flowers, isn't it? No. Yes. No. No. No, John Phelan. How about that? So there you go. So that was a bit of a bummer. Um, Morris, uh, Jody Morris scored a decent goal on 44 minutes, but Ashley Ward equalised on 84. Uh, very disappointing, not least because uh, Martin Brooms was sent off on 84 minutes, as was uh, Luca Viali. Can you remember why this was, either of you two? I, I, did they have a spat, Viali and Brooms? Yeah, they punched each other. Oh, yeah. How, yeah. how, how yeah. refreshing. Bit of old yeah. school football. Um, the, the referee was Uriah Rennie, who was apparently the fittest ref um, that Keith Hackett, who was the, the referee's boss, had ever seen. Mm, well, there we go. He Didn't he get demoted down to uh, the Division yeah, 2? I used to think he was, he was one of the worst referees yeah. I'd ever seen, but he was at least fit. Good for him. Yes. I think this game once more reinforced what a bogey team Blackburn were at that time. Yeah. Yeah, we hadn't actually beaten them, you know, during the Premier League at home, you know, at Stamford Bridge. We didn't actually beat them till Mourinho's time at Chelsea. Um, and this was the game I think we missed Dennis Wise for. I think a game like Blackburn, you'd want Dennis Wise in your midfield. You know, these drop two points, 
you. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the season will be really significant. It was in for Morris. My sorry, Morris played instead of him, I should say. Yeah. And Ashley Bloody Ward. How many times did Ashley Ward get goals against us? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Can I make make a point? Was that Eddie Newton was playing? How many games did he play in the season, Chidge? Um, that's a very good question. I'm glad you asked me that question. And if you wait one second, I will be able to tell you. One. Uh, thank you, Mark. And that was eight it. Subs. Yeah. Eight, eight is a sub. Yeah. Blimey. So there you go. So we'll we'll talk about that one towards the end of the show, no doubt. We get Forest next. Uh, good performance against Forest, actually. Beaten 3-1 up there. But then again, they do get relegated this season as the bottom club. Married. Uh, married. Uh, managed by Ron Atkinson. Bloody hellfire. I of forgot. Besant was in goal. Sorry, you forgot that he was there, wasn't he? Well, no, I, I, because uh, Harry Bassett was uh, manager beginning of the season, so I forgot about Ron Atkinson coming in. Besant in goal, and um, of course they had the um, the wonderful Pierre Van Hoydonk. They did. He, did he, oh, clearly, right. he's not on strike at the time. No, indeed. No. <laughs> indeed absolutely. Bless his heart. He's a very decent player, though. Very decent player, but just wanted out, didn't he? Ended a, bit, up a, bit bon- a bit bonkers, a bit really. And yeah. they had Neil Shipley playing for them as well, came off the bench. They did indeed. Uh, He's another example, actually, of somebody who started wonderfully for Chelsea, like Forsell, and never fulfilled his uh, his initial promise. I'm glad you mentioned Forsell, JK, because he scored a goal. He scored the first goal on six minutes, but uh, uh, Bjarni Goldbeck scored two, uh, one on 25 and one on 83. So uh, I was very fond of Goldbeck. I didn't yeah. think he was ultimately treated very well. No, I, I concur. I liked him too. Now, the next match, home against Liverpool, uh, we are still second, by the way, at this stage. Um, we went 2-1, uh, a LeBeuf penalty on uh, seven minutes, a Goldbeck goal on 38, and Michael Owen scores on 77 minutes. But it is not remembered for that at all, is it, Mark? No, it's remembered for the Graham Lasso robbie Fowler fight. Um, that obviously, then, uh, Lasso gets a free kick uh, awarded, and uh, probably the only way you can describe, you know, Fowler's behaviour is homophobic. Um, uh, the referee doesn't do anything about it. You know, almost like says to, you know, Lasso, just get on with it. Uh, Fowler's taunts of Lasso continue. Obviously, question his sexuality. And it gets like, to the by point... By turning where, around, Mark, didn't he? And showing him his backside. All uh, exactly. Uh, and it gets to the point where Lasso just takes his own re- retribution and off the ball, he does a rabbit punch to the back of Fowler's head. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't hit him hard enough. Yeah. Yes, indeed. No, Fowler was. I mean, Fowler's an odious creature. He really is. Um, and it's interesting actually because I remember seeing the footage t- uh, yesterday. How quickly his best mate McManaman comes in to give uh, Lasso a hard time. He should have got a smack as well, in my opinion. But um, Fowler was basically every time uh, Lasso was about to do the throw in or the free kick. Actually, it was a free kick, wasn't it? He would he would look at him over his shoulder he had his back to him and then he would like slightly lean forward bearing his ass to him making the point very clear i, I think mean, he said something i think oh, he, he clearly said, said a lot every every time as well chidge yeah, yeah. I mean, in actual fact it, it the if you if you with once again with hindsight from our position now it was unbelievably dreadful um i mean i, I mean i'm almost speechless with the behavior that um durkin completely missed it and so did the linesman the linesman was feeble beyond belief Durkin actually gave Lasso a yellow card for time wasting when he's pointing out that Fowler is making uh, homophobic remarks to him but it tells you a lot about the era of the time and the fact that Fowler gets away with it 
I mean, I have to say the one thing that Durkin, I suppose, did was he, it was obvious Lasso had punched Fowler in the back of the neck and, and should have been off. But yeah. he just gives them a big chat because he realises, I think, by then that he's he's possibly made a mistake giving the yellow card or this is a much more serious situation than he'd ever envisaged. But um, the, I, of the very fact that you mentioned that about McManaman, McManaman coming in and giving um, Lasso a volley uh, of abuse as well is something that you almost feel you should be writing even now to um, BT and just saying you do appreciate that you've got somebody there. If so many of these things are retrospective, going back to Twitter, I don't see why you shouldn't be able to go back to this to, just to say, look at absolutely appalling behaviour from you as a football player by condoning somebody's absolutely dreadful homophobic behaviour here. And again, if you think about it, if this, if this happened in the Chelsea Liverpool game now, Robbie Fowler did that now, the oh. ban he would get. Oh, he'd, he'd be he'd be banned for a year. Yeah. It wouldn't be he'd, he'd, he'd be marched out. They'd be saying he's, yeah. he, he ought to have his contract ended. I, I wonder whether there is this such a thing now in in contracts. If you're going to be doing that, you were bringing disrepute, disrepute against the club. You would be um, you'd just be completely uh, um, taken out of their history. You'd be that would be the end of that. You'd be you'd be thrown out on your ear. But it was. It was vile, absolutely vile. And I thought Lasso dealt with it very well. Even, even punching him around the back of the neck, he knew that if it was seen, he waited, he was hoping it wouldn't be seen. It was right in the middle of the pitch. But obviously the linesman um, was, was looking out for it, which is uh, slightly alarming. Unfortunate, in fact. Uh, but there you go. Right, uh, next match, we're now into March. We're still second in the league. We've now got Valarenga at home in the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, the quarter-final of the Cup Winners' Cup, I should say. Pretty easy, easy meet, this one. Babiaro on 10, Zola on 30, Wise on 85. Uh, we then have another Cup match, uh, this time. Can I just ask, where yeah. is Valerenga? I don't know. Norway. Norway. So, another one, in the quarter-finals, we're playing another... It, does, it doesn't mean the, the teams were terribly strong in the European Cup Winners' Cup this year, does it, really? Well, if you've got Valerenga in the quarter-final, I'd say no. No, you know, but it's interesting, isn't it? It's a bit of a Scandinavian tour for us. We have we've got a Swedish team, a Danish team, and now we've got a Norwegian team. Spooky, eh? Anyway, hey. we made easy meet of them three 0 Eagle Olsen is their manager, uh, later to become Wimbledon's manager, of course. Yes. Interestingly enough, and uh, I'm not really recognising any of their. Oh, I am recognising. Yeah, he's bigger than me and you, John Carew. Carew. Interestingly, he must have been very young then. Anyway, next match is an FA Cup Round 6 match on a Sunday up at Old Trafford. Because, yes, we play Man United in the Cup, not for the first time uh, in this period of our history. And uh, it ends up uh, nil-nil, but uh, not without um, both Paul, Paul Scholes. Well, f first of all, Robbie Di Matteo being sent off in 45 minutes for a second yellow bit unfortunate really i don't think it was i think it was a bit harsh oh absolutely absurd yeah. absurd decisions i mean obviously skull sending off was completely correct but uh i don't <laughs> i don't even remember it actually so uh, no, no, again, who's the referee uh paul durkin paul durkin bit i mean pattern forming decanio should have pushed him harder mate yeah. anyway so nil nil which means we have to bloody replay now look bear in mind we've got quite a lot of matches going on anyway we could probably do without this but anyway we have to play them again back at the bridge a few days later on the wednesday why is this has the 10 10 day rule not been passed clearly not. not yeah it's, no, not, it's, not, not yet. it's yeah. literally three days later um 
So there we go. We play... Anyone listening of a younger age, this is what used to happen in the FA Cup. You know, you used to have replays a couple of days after the game. <laughs> Indeed. Um, this was, I've got to say, at the time, I was hugely disappointed about this match. I mean, we lost we lost 2-0. Bloody Dwight York, the king of pornography, getting two goals. I mean, one of them was outstanding, actually. The, the, his second goal was an outstanding goal, but I always hated him. I never liked him. Uh, and we just really weren't at the races, I felt, that, that match, JK. Disappointing. Yeah, it was one of those games. You The, the hopes that you had, having drawn with them up at uh, Old Trafford, I thought, great, we're coming back and we're playing very well. We've got a great team. We're going to beat them easily. Or, Well, I was always tense, as I said earlier, about United games, but I thought we'd be in it with a very good chance. And uh, it was obvious that um, we weren't quite up for it. And uh, um, it was very, very disappointing, I have to say, as always when you lose. But in particular, um, the team we had and the way we'd been, uh, the way I thought we were, we were we'd set it up beautifully, having drawn nil-nil. Well, I, I wonder, Mark, if if that that match against United and the disappointment therein had a bit of a bearing on the next match at home. I think you're probably right. Um, we, we did the hard work at getting the draw at Old Trafford. We got them back to Stamford Bridge. Uh, on the night, we had 16 shots. They had four. Bit of a smash and grab. They had four shots and York scored from two of them. Very, very frustrating. Uh, we were the better team on the night, but United scored scored when it mattered. So, real disappointment. But also, it's the fourth time in six seasons they'd knocked us out of the FA Cup. You know, or they'd beaten us in the FA Cup because obviously they beat us in the final in 94. So, any time our cup run ended, it always seemed to be Man United ending it. So, again, on a good roll, you know, in the last stage of the Cup Winners' Cup, we're second in the league. We're taking United to a replay. Yeah, and when you think about it, this is the year United do the treble. Yeah, yeah. This is the whole thing about we got so close, but not not close enough. And here was another example. You know, better team on the night, but United scores the goals at key points in the game. One goal after four minutes, we dominate for the best part of an hour. No, you're right, we did. Yeah. York gets the killer second goal. Yeah, well, looking on the bright side, if we'd have beaten them, we'd have been in the semi-final against Arsenal. Of course, that would have been easy, wouldn't it? Well, um, that, yeah, they're the other teams in the other cup years when we weren't winning it. They were knocking us out of I it. I know, well. so, you know. Uh, but as I said, I, I I do wonder in hindsight, which which is the beautiful thing about doing this show, we, we have the benefit of hindsight because we've got West Ham at home in the next match. And it's arguably, I mean, I don't think we realise it at the time. This is one you have to kind of understand with hindsight, but this is arguably one of the most disappointing. I can think of one other, which we'll come up with later, but we lose 1-0. And as I said, I don't think we realised at the time how crucial this loss was going to be. But I do wonder, as I said, if, if maybe they were affected by uh, getting booted out of the cup by United a few days before. Did they? Um, can I ask if Viale was playing again? Because I, I keep asking this, but I... I uh... He was not playing against West Ham. The t- I'll tell you the team. It was uh, De Hoy, Babiaro, Desai, uh, Dennis Wise, Graham Lasseau, Roberto Di Matteo, Albert Ferrer, Andy Myers. Tori Andre, Flo, Zola and Goldbeck. So what was the Andy Myers um, um, coming in from left field completely all about? Was that his only game of the season as well, like Newton? Mm, it would have been one of the only ones. It's a bit left field, isn't it? Who do you think he kind of came in for? Well, I, oof, bemused. Yeah, you know, it was what, his, only, his only start. Was, was he playing left back? I suppose he was. Yeah. So uh, 
where, oh, where, got, where, what about Baba? Baba's playing. Yeah, he must have been playing midfield then. Yeah, very so weird. Very weird. This is the kind of thing that, that slightly freaked me out in the season. And sorry, I remember I just said that we went of the races with United. Of course, it's not thinking about it, we were actually excellent against United. And we did have that moment with where Flo actually managed to kick the ball away on the line. Oh, just that to, was the match. With, yeah, that where, was the uh, match, wasn't it? Den Dennis Wise had, uh, was just the ball was going in the net. Yes, yes, yes I remember. Yeah. Well yeah. done, J.K. Because yeah. I was thinking that was the league match, and of course it wasn't. It was this match. Yeah, yeah, and it was, uh, and and because uh, I got confused, they were. We in fact were. That was what was so depressing is that we were. It was two two sucker goals by York when we were in the ascendancy. So we you know when we we keep having these things about talking about um, moments now when we we should be putting the the games away. You know, and here we are 20, 22 years later and we're still in games where we're all over teams and not putting the game away. You exactly. know, it's, uh, it's, um, as you say, it's a Chelsea thing. Anyway, for the record, we lost 1-0 to West Ham in the next match. Uh, Paul Kitson scored a goal on 75 minutes, but we weren't at the races in this one either, I don't think. But again, tell me if I'm wrong. No, it's, it's a repeat of the Man United game. Again, Better team, but we weren't taking our chances. We weren't putting the ball in, and we get sucker punched by West Ham. So it was it wasn't that we weren't at the races. We actually should have won, but because we didn't have any strikers, Mark, we didn't put the ball in the net. I tell you, sorry, sorry, Mark. I tell you who was missing, uh, J.K. Of course, who you would have expected to see, Poye still out, isn't he? Of course he is. Yeah. Yeah. But once again, he's a he's a midfielder though. He's not actually a striker. Interestingly enough, flows back for the West Ham match. I think that was, that was his first. Oh no, he was back for the United uh, defeat, obviously because he kind of got, he got, he prevented he got, the ball. He, yeah, he got in the way of. Uh, he, actually, actually, he's been back for a while. He's been back since February. What am I talking about? Uh, so there we go. So we lose one nil to West Ham. We're now down to third. We've then got Valarenga away in the Cup Winners' Cup. Again, fairly routine, really. Um, uh, basically, we. Uh, we uh, we scored first, I think, didn't we? Yeah, Vial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Viali scored on eleven minutes. Guess who was the who, who assisted this goal? It was a very lovely uh, kind of chip stroke cross into the box, Mark. John George Terry. John George Terry. I wonder if that was his first assist for Chelsea. I think you're probably right. I think, it was. Yeah, it may well have been. So we're one nil up. So that means we're four nil, I think, up on aggregate. Um, and then uh, and then uh, Lambord scores on fifteen minutes. And then, then uh, they score. Kjellner uh, scores in 27 minutes, then Flo on 33. And then John Carew, Carew, he's bigger than me and you, scores on 41 minutes as a very young man. And uh, just to put your mind at rest, JK, this was Andy Meyer's final appearance. I'm not, my mind isn't at rest. I thought he was a decent servant for the club. I'm just bemused that he managed to find himself in this team because it was so full of stars. And how many internationals did we have? Ten, I think. So yeah. uh, um, I don't quite get it. I don't. I didn't I'll keep going on about this. I don't get Viali's selection, and I think it contributed to the uh, um, the season. The season's um, how can I put it? Not being as uh, um, as brilliant as it ought to have been. Uh, okay, so uh, we're into the semi-final now of the Cup Winners' Cup. We then have Villa away. Another great performance this this was uh, another two goals by Flo uh, on 56 and 90 and Goldbeck on uh, on 86 minutes and I think Mark at this stage that, that that kind of lifted us after the West Ham game didn't it I mean we, we were still we were still very much in in 
uh, with a shout of the title, bearing in mind, I mean, Villa, interestingly enough, have fallen away a bit from there, you know, considering they were top before the end, uh, but kind of halfway through the season. We're still third, but we are a good seven points behind Man United, but we've got a game in hand. So technically uh, four, uh, four points, hang on, yeah, four points behind United and uh, three behind Arsenal. So technically equal them of the game in hand. So there's still hope there, I feel, at this stage, Mark. There's, there's still hope. And as uh, people know, we are, yeah, as Chelsea fans, optimists. Well, most are optimists by nature. <laughs> so was, was, that, was, that, was that game in hand? You're still in, we're still in with a shout and talk. And it was a good performance. It was a very good performance. It was like uh, three goals in the second half, wearing this wonderful yellow kit. You know, yes. Synonymous with some of our good performances that season. And again, Goldbeck, you know, Goldbeck, you know, got five or six goals, you know, d- during the course of that second half of the season, you know, including the, you know, the great goal against Tottenham. A really good player, you know. I mean, out of, he was out of his skin as well. Career, yeah. I was right behind the goal at Villa Park and that ball came straight towards me as it went and it billowed the net. It was fabulous. He, he had such a good shot on him, Goldbeck. He did, didn't he? he? had a great right foot. Oh, wow. He used to hit that ball hard. Oh. Really hard. Um... So there we go. Uh, the other interesting point to note here is that Graham Ricks has just been sent to prison and uh, Ray Wilkins has been uh, phoned up by Viali to come in as his number two. So Raimondo is back with the club, which is always lovely to see. Uh, and he pretty much sticks around for the rest of his career, really, doesn't he? I don't think he really leaves after that, apart from when he fell out uh, with the whole with the club over um, uh, Carlo Ancelotti being fired. Uh, no, he he's he's there for the duration of Viali, and when Viali goes, he goes with Viali to Watford. So he does. Yeah. Oh, you're yeah. dead right. You're dead. He then right. does come back. He, he comes back in later years where um, Carlo Ancelotti. That's yeah. right. That's right. You're dead right. Does he not manage the club for one game? He does. He does. He does. I yeah. in a, it was a cup match against uh, Watford, I think, and I yeah. remember I texted him after the match saying, "Well done, Ray. You can always say you've got a hundred percent winning record as a Chelsea manager." <laughs> and he texted me back, well, laughing his head off. You are? Him and Steve Holland are the only Chelsea managers with 100% record. That's right. Bless his heart. Oh, dear old Ray, how we miss him. Um, there we go. So we're now into April. We're in third, as I said. Uh, we then win against Charlton away, Di Matteo on 11. And now we've got, arguably, right now, the biggest match of the season. Okay? So we, we go to Mallorca, Mallorca to play Real Mallorca in the semi-final of the Cup Winners' Cup. Remember, we're still champions. We're the holders. Aren't we at home, Chich? Sorry, I can't read. You're right. We're at home. Did I? I didn't. I did say. I did say we were going away, didn't I? Stupid boy. Yeah. Yes, we're at home in the first leg. Uh, and actually, that's a very good point, J.K. Because this has a bearing on what happens. Because you would have thought at home, you know, we should be putting in a good performance. But uh, like a lot of uh, first leg matches in at home in the Cup Winners' Cup this season, we do fail. To impress, and in fact, Real Mallorca go one nil up with a Danny goal. Danny's a decent player, by the way. Uh, uh, Flow equalises on fifty minutes. Um, what that? What on earth is this about Dennis Wise, Mark? This is a strange. This is a me in fact that I missed. He, he bites. He bites one of the Mallorca players during the game, um, but he does it in retaliation. Uh, the Mallorca player, unbeknown to the referee, rakes his nails down the back of Wise's neck. So Wise bites him in retaliation. Well, of course he does. I mean, that's completely understandable and reasonable. I mean, what you would... normal, normal sort of thing. You, you, the sort yeah. of thing you would do, like yeah. And the amazing thing is he doesn't even get booked. The referee doesn't see it. He doesn't see either incident. Yeah. 
anyway, um, a bit disappointing, really, because Real Mallorca... I mean, this is the other thing I can't stand about Real Mallorca. I mean, I, I love Mallorca as an island. I go there on holiday quite a lot, and uh, they're a very interesting team in, in, in terms of Spain because they're, they're tiny as a team. Um, they're very unsuccessful. They very rarely get into La Liga. Uh, but they did have a bit of a purple patch and it was around this time. So, you know, it wasn't like we were playing Real Madrid or Barcelona or or, or Atletico, but, you know, Madrid or any of the really big Spanish teams. They were a bit of a surprise. But I think the thing that really interested me about them, Mark, was the fact that they, they were managed by uh, Hector Cooper, were they not? They were, they were, yes, indeed. Yeah, very well-known manager and successful manager in his day. Decent, decent pedigree in, in La Liga. I, I think this is this game is frustrating again. The, the amount of home games in in the Cup Winners' Cup. You know, you know, we start with Helsingborg. We had the Copenhagen. The only decent home performance we put in was against Valerenga. Um, we just seen a struggle at home in the Cup Winners' Cup because um, Mallorca weren't they weren't that good a side. No, well, that's my point, really. Yeah. Uh, so that's four home games. We struggled in three of them. Another bit like the Man United game, 16 shots, comes back to the recurring theme post-January, you know, not able to put the ball in the net. You know, granted, yeah, granted, got a really good goal, but, you know, we should have beaten, you know, Mallorca quite easily at yeah, home. You're dead we're, right. We're a better team. Yeah. You're dead right. They well, should have played himself more or they should have made a decision to buy a striker. Well, we're going to get to that towards the end, mate. That's that is our denouement, Mon, if you like. But Viali did play in this match, to be fair. Um, the yeah, other he would have done the ECWC. I'm just I meant the season in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Flo didn't start. He came on on 46 minutes. I mean, I'll give you the team actually. Dehoy, Petrescu, Babiaro, Flo came on for him at half time. Leboeuf, Desai, Viali, Wise, Lasso, uh, Alba Ferrer, and uh, Zola. And Jody Morris is a pretty strong team, really. This is disappointing, even more disappointing. I've got something to reveal to you in a minute, which is going to make you laugh your socks off. But uh, uh, the interesting thing about this is that Gus Poye came on on 60 minutes. So Gus is back. OK, he came on for the last uh, half an hour. Right. On on Bounder Frydale, uh, they, they've got the scorer uh, for, the, for the Real Mallorca goal, not as Danny, but Chris Wilder. <laughs> yeah how what happened there did, who did Chris Wilder play for as a you know well a, Sheffield Sheffield United but didn't he yeah. did, did, did he score against us at some point he, he, he's not even playing in the match Mark I know, I know he's not no but that's clearly a typo it's definitely pound. a typo but, but there you go Wilder ever score against us for Sheffield United or yeah. uh, it's definitely Wilder but there we go anyway next match he didn't have a Spanish period then Wilder. I don't think he did no I don't think he did next match is Wimbledon away uh, we win 2-1 and guess what guess who scores JK who hasn't uh, scored since Boxing Day or played since Boxing Day? That's the clue. Uh, been out injured. Back after injury. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Poet. Yeah. 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 I thought it was a trick question. No. 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 I wasn't trying to fool you or hoodwing you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, he scores the winner effectively. Um, uh, you know, Flo scored on 24, Poyo on 53, Marcus Gale on 90. But, uh, I mean, it kind of just shows you what we missed in the, those three months, doesn't it? And, and fair play to him, because that was a nasty injury he had. And he comes straight back in and he scores, which is brilliant. Uh, annoyingly, uh, we then uh, go to, I mean, Mark's been r railing about this for the last kind of 10 matches or so. Uh, our inability to put the ball on the back of the net. Well, guess what? We went up to Middlesbrough and drew nil-nil. 
I'm uh, just looking to see uh, why. Uh, but Zola and Flo were playing up front. You know, they're good enough, you would have thought. So a bit of a disappointing nil-nil there. We're still in third, by the way. Uh, and we're still technically in with a shout of the title, I think. I mean, OK, we, I, I suspect we're a few points behind the leaders. Actually, funnily enough, we're we're only three points... Well, after the next match, we're three points behind uh, United. So where were we after the Middlesbrough match? We were third. Fucking hell. United are top with 64 points. They've played. They've got a game in hand, so let's say that's 67. Okay? Arsenal second on 63 points. Chelsea third on 63 points. We are still very much in this, boys. We are still very much in this. And then, I would say, a match that will go down, in my memory, certainly, as one of the most disappointing matches I've experienced as a Chelsea supporter. Would you say that's fair enough, Mark? Agree 100%. As bad as the West Ham defeat was, as bad as dropping points against Blackburn, this was the game that kills it. Yeah. And it's the manner. Yeah. Okay. West Ham was frustrating because, you know, they get a late goal and we throw the kitchen sink at them. But Leicester's more frustrating. We had the game won. You know, we're 2 we're 0 up with 20 minutes to go. And uh, Albert Ferrer is back in the team having his normal, you know, solid. 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 game. And Viali takes Albert Ferrer off on 74 minutes. We've played 4-4-2 for the whole season. We've been 4-4-2. And for some reason, in the last 15 minutes of the game, we go 3-5-2. Yeah. Don't know why. You know, works well for us now. But in the last eight minutes of the game, we chuck the game away. You know, Dubra gets an own goal. And then... You know, with two minutes to go, probably the highlight of his career. I think, did he get an England cap? I don't know. Maybe. I thought he did, yeah. I thought, I thought maybe he did. You know, yeah. you know, there's only five games left after this. This is a game we had to win. We had the game won. And then Steve Guppy gets a goal out of nowhere. And a great goal, too. Oh, great goal. Oh, no, no question. Great goal. But, you know, we threw this one away. It, it was worse than losing this game. We lost to West Ham, but drawing with Leicester was 10 times worse. Yeah, it was. It, it was... went with this game. Yeah. It's as you say, because we were so comfortably up, 2-0 up, yeah. and, and bossing it. And I was right behind Guppy when he, when he headed towards goal. And I remember thinking, please don't let him shoot. And nobody challenged him. And Dubes just stood on the edge of the penalty area and I thought all he needs to do, Guppy, is curl it round Dubes. This is my thought before he shot, and it'll go in the corner. Yeah. And lo and behold, he did exactly that, and it went in the corner. And uh, it was so devastating as a supporter to be watching that. But I have to say, I thought the nil-nil was worrying against Borough the, the weekend before, just because uh, it was getting a bit ominous for me. I thought we've got to just win every game now. If we win every game, we, we're going to win. The, I think we'll win the title. And it was, uh, as you say, it was, it was the fact, I think it was the fact that we'd been so in charge. And I, I hadn't, it hadn't occurred to me that it was down to a change in formation. I wonder what was going through Viali's head. Um, but, uh, but yes, of course, he took Ferreira off. Yeah. Uh, um, um, you're, you're thinking of that ad that some bloke voice over. Yeah, yeah, some bloke. Yeah, Ferreira. The Albert, Albert, um, Albert Ferreira. Yeah, Ferreira. <laughs> <laughs> Albert Rossi. Albert, Albert went to the ambassador's party. So he, to to <laughs> he did. He did the night before, and that was why he got taken off because he had he had indigestion. But it, but it was it was it was just cripplingly 
that I was oh. just so so gut because I just, we just all knew we just thought that's it we fucked it we're not going to win the title and do you yeah. know what the great irony of it is and I absolutely love her to pieces she's arguably the best she's kind of my boss in, in one of the places that I do her work now she is she is Steve Guppy's cousin and I remember <laughs> when I first met her I said Guppy that's an unusual name you're not related to Steve Guppy are you and she said, yes, I'm his cousin. I said, oh, for fuck's sake. She's also, she's also, I bless her heart, she's a massive football fan. She's a big Arsenal supporter, funny enough. She goes quite a lot, you know. So whenever we have meetings where we're supposed to be talking about our business, we actually end up talking about football. I mean, she is about as delightful as you can be. But, I mean, you know, I, she could see the pain in my face when, when, when she revealed that she was actually related. And, and she knew exactly why as well. It was kind of a really surreal moment. Question for you, question for you, Chids. Yeah. Do you know where Steve Guppy was born? Uh, no. When Winchester. he was born or, or where? Winchester. Well, there we go. That would make sense because she's from round here. Yeah, he's a local boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good grief. So that means he's probably, what, the fourth most famous person from Winchester behind me, Wayne Bridge and uh, Rion Bertrand. Or, uh, yeah, maybe. Anyway. We we digress. Um, I, I like to I like to think that uh, Dube's own goal was really a, an homage to his old mate who's now playing for Leicester, Frank Sinclair. But I mean, really, the ball hit him and went in. I don't think he could have done much about it. It wasn't like a Frank Sinclair esque own goal, was it? But there you go. Uh, I'd like to move on from this because I'm already getting very depressed. Um, we then have uh, Real Mallorca one uh, one. Remember from the first leg, we're now out in Mallorca. Uh, and uh, it all goes horribly tits up on 15 minutes when uh, Leo Biagini scores. Uh, and I'm sorry to report that that was about it. But there's a lot more to say about it than that, isn't there, Mark? It's a. I mean, did you go, by the way? No, I didn't. No. And did... I think just like that, the, hang, the hangover from the Leicester game, I still think that was there. And I think, uh, I think the game, yeah, it would be on Channel 5, that late chance Wise had, you know, a header that he missed that would have, would have made it like level on aggregate. I think the more frustrating thing about this is, um, as I said earlier, we were a better team than Mallorca. If, had we got through, uh, we'd have played Lazio in the final. Um, the final would have been at Villa Park. Um, so that, that, would have, that would have been interesting. But also, you know, this is a golden opportunity to, to retain the Cup Winners' Cup. No team in history ever retained the Cup Winners' Cup in successive seasons. And there would have been a beautiful historic moment had we won the Cup Winners' Cup that year that when um, we won the UEFA Cup, also known as the Europa League in 2013, for one week, we'd have held all three original trophies. Because Lazio kept the Cup Winners Cup when they won it that season. So they've got the original trophy. We've got a replica of the Cup Winners Cup here in, um, in the museum. We've got two replicas. Um, but Lazio have got the original Cup Winners Cup and we would have had the original... Champions League trophy, and we would have had the original UEFA Cup for one week. Um, that would have been a good song, you know. The only team in London literally wins three European Cups, the original Cup. So, very frustrating. And I felt sorry for a friend of mine who'd been going to Chelsea for years. People listening to the show might know John Druitt. John Druitt, I think, had done all the European games that season. And I think he wanted to make, because he was quite confident of reaching the final, he wanted to make it like a proper European trip. and. Villa Park wouldn't be a proper European trip. So actually, he booked a trip to Dublin and he was going to fly in on the day of the game. 
from Dublin to Birmingham Airport. So it made it feel like he was actually leaving <laughs> a country to treat you like a proper European game. I don't know if John ever used those tickets to Dublin or wherever he flew into Birmingham Airport, but I knew he'd actually had those tickets booked before the semi-final. Like most people, that confident we were going to get through to the final again. It wasn't to be, you know, and now the season is beginning to tail off. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you can feel the air going out of the tyres really after this one, can't you, JK? Um, yes, it was, um, it was, well, it, it was predictable because we'd been so lacklustre in the, uh, in the home game. And um, uh, I, I think I'd been, uh, and similarly, I was so deflated after the, uh, the Leicester game that, um, uh, I won't say I gave up, but um, I was bitterly disappointed and uh, I still went to the games, but my enthusiasm had been, uh, had been depleted enormously. Well, indeed. I mean, the game was almost up, really. I mean, we did draw nil-nil against Sheffield Wednesday, which I suppose really put it all in 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 perspective. I mean, when actually, I mean, you know, to be really honest, I mean, we're still we're still only four points behind. This is after the Wednesday draw. We're still only four points behind United uh, and uh, three behind Arsenal. Uh, uh, sorry, I correct myself. We're four behind Arsenal, who are now in top and three behind United, albeit they have a game in hand. I mean, and I think this is, you know, we'll talk about this, you know, in the summary, but I think the frustrating thing for me was that we have ourselves to blame here because Arsenal and United were equally inconsistent. It's not like we get now where, you know, like City will just disappear out of sight and then it's, you know, you're just scrapping around for second, third, fourth. You know, had we had we beaten Wednesday... You know, as I said, we would have been two points better off. So we would have actually been on 60. It would have been 69, 68 and 67, you know. And they're not they're not on fire, Arsenal and United. I went to the Sheffield Wednesday game with hope still. Yeah, I really did think we had a possibility, even though I was deflated by the whole experience. And we were dreadful. And we really didn't make much of an effort. And I actually think this had an impact on Bates for the next season. Because I, I think he had somehow thrown the towel in Fiali at the Wednesday game because I couldn't believe the lack of effort in the team. And I couldn't, I didn't, I knew that they'd been playing badly, uh, um, that they, you know, it was depressing to have lost to Mallorca and it was depressing to have drawn, drawn against Leicester. But I thought that they'd, they'd thrown the towel in and he had. And I, I was bemused sitting, I was sitting in the front row of the, uh, of the big Sheffield Wednesday stand because a mate of mine took me who was a Wednesday fan and I, I felt cheated by the performance and it was um and and my respect for Viali as a manager disappeared completely as a consequence of that I have to say but that one one performance in particular um I thought we'd drop too many points we're going to get onto this in a minute too many points in the Even season. Even JK what happens the following season and and the Champions League run yeah yeah, even even yeah. I, I I still felt that we were, we 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 had the as Chidge says there was nothing nothing was certain in this era, and and I think we still could have won the won the uh, won the title this season. I don't think if you know the dark part of that Sheffield Wednesday game is Cernicek doesn't make a save in the yeah. whole game. Yeah. No, no, indeed, that's my point. That's yeah. my point. There was that's, no that's, effort, no effort from the yeah. team at yeah. all, and I I that's what I couldn't bear. I couldn't bear. They should have been keeping going to the absolutely to the end end of the season. Because you know what, something like as I said, because well, we'll find out in a minute. But the gap is ridiculously small. Let's go to the next match, which is at home 
to Everton where we, we make short work of a pretty poor Everton side of the truth to be told. Uh, winning 3-1 with Zola getting two lovely goals and Petrescu getting one in between. Uh, and uh, Franny Jeffers, bloody hell, the fox in the box. He scored for Everton. And then we've got Leeds at home, which is, I mean, we're pretty, we've got three matches left. So we've got Leeds at home, which of course, as we all know, is a must win. I'm disappointed to see that there were only uh, five bookings in this match. So this is, you know, this is a bit poor. Uh, Gus Poye scores for us on 68 minutes, and that's enough uh, to 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 beat dirty Leeds. And then uh, the penultimate match of the season, uh, our last away match of the season, is up at White Hart Lane. Would you believe where we play Tottenham, who of course still haven't beaten us forever. Uh, and uh, this is a bit of a ding dong of a match, actually. Um, Poye puts us ahead on four minutes, uh, kissing the right badge after this one. Iverson uh, equalises on 38. Uh, Ginola picks Desai's pocket, if I recall, on yes. 64 and puts the goal away. So we're, you know, 64 minutes, we've got what? You know, 25 minutes left. We're 2-1 down. Um, we're what, you know, I, you would be worried about us losing uh, this, uh, you know, a, a brilliant record that we've got against Spurs. So what happened, Mark? Well, what happens, the, this gentleman we signed in exchange for Brian Lauder called Biani Golbeck, who has already scored some key goals during the course of the season at Nottingham Forest Villa, home to Liverpool, absolutely blast this shot. You know, probably the best goal we scored that season, the best goal Biani Golbeck will ever score in, in his career, into the top corner. Yeah, absolutely legendary status just on that back of that goal alone by scoring a goal like that at White Hart Lane. What an ama- amazing goal. Fantastic goal. I remember it now. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. I mean... I was, I was there. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Oh, yeah, but you you'd already chucked in the towel, mate. Talk about Viali. You're sitting there sulking for the rest of the season. That's probably why you don't I'm remember. It doesn't, doesn't stop me from appreciating a good goal bet goal, does it? But, I mean, but, you know, here's the thing, mate. You know, I wasn't there, but, I mean, Mark's right. You know, Bjarni Goldbeck's legendary stage at Chelsea Football Club uh, was was encapsulated in that one moment because, one, it was a... It was a complete and utter thunder bastard of a shot. I don't think I've ever seen a ball hit so hard. And secondly, Absolutely. it secured our unbeaten record against Spurs. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, do you know what? Here's the funny thing, because in my mind's eye, I, I don't know why. I, I always look at that goal and think it was in, you know, with, with only about, you know, three or four minutes to go. I completely forgot he scored it on 72. And, and the madness about this, yeah, even now, there's two games to go. If we won that game, so for the last 20 minutes, Chelsea, again, threw everything at Tottenham to try and win the game, we still would have had a chance of winning the league. Once again, this is my joint. This is my joint. This is my point, though, Mark, is that if they'd made an effort against Wednesday and that possibly and we won against Spurs, we'd then have been in a position to possibly win the league with the last game of the season. This this giving up with five games to go after the Leicester game, even though we were deflated, okay, all right. We didn't get to the final of the European Cup Winners' Cup. We were all feeling in a state we should have got there. Was to me just absolutely they could have won the title mm. at, at, at the end of the season because, as you say, Chidge, it was so uncertain. There was no team running away with it. No, and I mean, you know, United and Arsenal are played thirty-six games. This is after we played Spurs, so they're clearly playing on the Monday night. I would have thought because when is our match? Our match was on the Monday. Actually, that's interesting. So uh, anyway, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute. But um, 
Yeah, we, we've got a game. We've played more and more game than them. We're on 37 games. They've played 36. But as it's, if we'd have won against Spurs, we'd have had 74 points to their 75. So if we beat Derby in our last match and they both lose, does that make sense? No, because they've got two matches, haven't they? So it was still, you know, it, anything is possible in football. This we know. So there we go. So we get to our last match, which is at Stamford Bridge, uh, last game of the season at home, which is always a bit nice. Uh, and as I said, we uh, we beat Derby County 2-0. Babiaro got one on 40. Uh, and interestingly enough, this is odd. This is I didn't realise this at all, but uh, Viali scores on 68 minutes, effectively the winner, um, because Carbonari scores a late goal on the 88th minute. This is his first Premier League goal of the season. How? Who knew? He scores ten goals in twenty games this season. Not a bad. He hardly played any Premier League. I games know. He played. Yeah, we said earlier he played in the League Cup. You know, played in the um, Cup Winners Cup, and he played in the FA Cup. But he hardly played a league game. He played in the Sheffield Wednesday game, which we failed to win, and didn't have a shot against Cernicek. I think Viali during the course of the season, you know, played most of his football in non-Premier League games. Mm. I mean, it's. But been... That sums it up for me as to why, why did he not play himself more often, considering the the fact that his ratio was was one in two. Uh, w- w- would he argue that they were lesser before, lesser competitions? I don't think so. I don't. I I don't get what did he? Why didn't he play himself in those matches where um, we we didn't appear to have a a, a, pos- a proper striker? What was going on there in the club? I'm I'm bemused by that. Unless unless. Don't know, is it a Hullet's type scenario when they negotiated his contract? Because they had the issue at Hullet, they negotiated a manager's contract, not a player's contract for Viali. It could well, he, was, he, yeah. he was doing us a favour playing, you mean? Yeah. He shouldn't really have been playing yeah. at all. Yeah. But he, he was trying to be fit. a manager rather than a yeah. player. He was, you know, I think he's 34 by then. Yeah, yeah. He was still a great goal scorer. He was still a great, but as I say, he maintained his fitness, he was top. To yeah. Top fitness, so he's he's preparing himself to be in the side, but only in the lesser comp- well, lesser competitions. European Cup and his cup isn't the lesser competition. I suppose he felt he's playing against lesser sides in the co- in the competition because none of those teams we played up until we played Mallorca, even Mallorca was as anywhere near as good as as we were. The squad was magnificent. So I, I'm afraid I lay the blame for some of these the the the, the lack of success in the season. On Viali. Well, just before we get to all of that, because we will do in a sec, just to bear bear that out, JK, um, you know, I said that United and Arsenal had two games to play and we only had one. So we were looking at had we beaten Spurs, for example. Well, United ended up on 79 points. So they basically won. Well, we, we all know what they did in the last match. Famously, they beat uh, Spurs, didn't they, with that Andy Cole goal? Yeah. Um, but they must have drawn the other match because they, they were only four points better than after the Tottenham after we drew at Tottenham right so they got four points from their last two games Arsenal are on 78 points so they beat Villa 1-0 at home in their last match of the season so they must have lost the other match they, I think they did from memory I think they lost to Leeds United yeah I remember Arsenal going through a title one year and Hasselbank scoring a goal you know that deflates Arsenal title but then obviously that puts United in so you know, difficult to remember. You didn't want United to win the league. You didn't want bloody Arsenal to win it. Yeah. <laughs> well, indeed. I mean, but the interesting thing, I mean, so basically they end up, uh, United get 79 points, which is very low if you think about it. It bears out my point that nobody was that good or consistent this season. Uh, Arsenal, 78 points. We, we had 75. But the difference is this. 
United and Arsenal both won 14 games. We won... Oh, this is at home, right? 14 at home. We won 12 at home. Away, we all won eight. All three of us won eight away. If we'd have won two more home games, right? We'd have won the league. Mm. If we'd have and won the same amount... Am- sorry, Mark. If we'd, have, if we'd have won the same amount of home games as both Arsenal and United, we would have won the league. Our, our away record was equal to United. Yeah. Eight, eight, nine, two. Uh, and again, if we'd beaten United in that game just before Christmas when we drew nil-nil... United would have had a point less. We'd have had two points more. Yeah, that that would. Yeah. But I don't think it was that game. Because at the time, that was a good point against United. Maybe we should have won. Yeah, where where we lost it, you know, was at the likes of Leicester, Blackburn, and losing yeah, well, to West Ham. Well, West Ham. The West Ham was very significant, yeah, well, wasn't yeah. it? Let's yeah. let's do this now. I mean, before we get into the miserable part, I want to go on the positive part because I think there were. You know, I know how disappoint. I mean, it's funny, isn't it, talking about it over twenty years hence and. The depression has come back to me, certainly. I can see it has for you, JK. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? But actually, with a bit of hindsight and the cold light of day, I think it still was a very good season. Um, we'll talk about the league in a minute. Yes, we should have won the Cup Winners' Cup, but after losing to Coventry on the opening day, as I said, we went on that 21-match unbeaten run. Uh, we won 30 matches, drew 20, and lost only six out of the 56 we played. Now, here's an interesting stat. Uh only three league defeats this season was our best ever performance to date and only six clubs have ever done this in a season it was our first champions league qualification our second equal highest finish ever highest average attendance since 1971-72 most clean sheets lowest number of goals conceded than the top flight so there was a lot to, to cheer this season even though we only picked up the super cup and you know getting to the quarter final of two cups and the semi-final of one is you know, that's fucking annoying. Let's be be frank. Uh, just to dot a few I's and cross a few T's here. Uh, Zola was the top scorer with 15. Uh, he also made the top, the most appearances with Ed De Hoy at 49. He was also the player of the year. Very understandably. Guess what? You're going to love this. Young player of the year was... Sam Dallabona! Which he got for having great hair, obviously. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. <laughs> So there we go. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, I was very optimistic at the beginning of the season that we would have a real tilt at the league. And I really thought, you know, around Christmas time that we would do it. Um, but how how disappointing was it to get that close, but to ultimately fizzle out? I, I do think, JK, I know what your answer is going to be, but I'll ask you first. Look at me, Chidge. I'm, yeah, I'm remembering it all. For those of you who are watching in black and white, JK... JK is he looks he looks drained. He looks like <laughs> his life source has been taken from him. It's it's all it, it's pulled out of my my ankle. It's there's an arrow in my. You take a picture of this. So I'm desperately upset. I am by I'm uh, um, the um, yes. It's it's I've had an arrow fired into my ankle, Achilles like, mm. and my uh, my life is ebbing away. Um, no, I, but I, I, I'm. I remember the, the Sheffield Wednesday game was one of the big, big moments for me in this season because, um, as you said, Mark, there were no efforts on goal. It was an absolutely abject performance. And I couldn't work out why Viali had made this decision. And um, I was baffled by so many of the team selections because there were some great players and some wonderful performances. And so my... Um, my, uh, um, 
aspirations for the season were just constantly elevated as the season went on, even though the odd, the odd moment would, was the odd glitch occurred. But the, the 21 games without being defeated made me think we're going to win everything. And, you know, when you've been supporting the team for as long as I had, even then, since you were so little, and you just thought this team is has moments of so utter brilliance, which was helped by Goldbeck scoring these superb goals when he came in. Um, despite my worrying about the team selection, uh, I, uh, because it did confuse me all the time, and the fact that Viali didn't play, uh, and the fact that I, I was never a fan of Kasaragi, and I thought that uh, he should never have been, that he wasn't the club's willing to accept that he might improve, but I couldn't see why they'd replaced it, uh, Hughes with somebody who just ran, and I knew the stats that he didn't score very much. And so, um, uh, and I was, and I thought Viali was great. I didn't understand why he wasn't playing. So I had these big doubts in the season, but my expectations were hugely elevated by the performances early on in the season. And so to see it just go and fizzle out, but it fizzled out, I felt via the manager who did not, did not um, encourage them, especially in the Wednesday game to push forward thinking anything could happen in this season because as you say none of the none of the teams was good enough to to, to stretch away um was uh was a blow for me and i actually felt absolutely disappointed with the season as a consequence mm. because of the way the way it way we we capitulated in situations where um should never have done so and i i i ended up with that season thinking that they needed a new manager Mm. Well, okay, uh, that's an interesting point, Mark. I mean, I mean, obviously, same question to you, but uh, of an addition, really, because I, I, I kind of had a bit of a, a bad feeling about this, which was, you know, was there a sense that we might not get a better chance? Because I mean, you know, the Premier League has historically been a really tough league to win, and at the time, United and Arsenal were were very, very good with very, very good and experienced managers. And and yet, you know, like we've been saying, they had a relatively poor season in some respects because they neither of them had run away with it. And I did wonder whether we'd just screwed our best chance to win it in a sense. I think it probably felt like at the time, like I'd always said like, you know, you know I want to see Chelsea win the FA Cup. They won the FA Cup. You know, love to see them win a European trophy. They won a European trophy in successive years. And I always said, love to see Chelsea win the league, but never thought would have even get close to, to, to seeing Chelsea win the league. And this season, we really got close, especially that first half of the season up till Christmas. And I do think, we said it earlier, the loss of Poirier, you know, in the second half of the season for three months was significant. I think the loss of Kazaragi was significant for other reasons. We should have replaced him in the January transfer window, and we never did. You know, so I don't know why. Were well, they already had designs on Chris Sutton then? Well, I've read Jimmy Hasselbank's, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank's book, and we were in for him then at Leeds, and then he went to Athletic Madrid and joined us the year after. So he had a little holiday in Spain. So were we in for Hasselbank? So there's no point buying a striker now because we're going to spend big in the I, I don't know, but we well, should that, have. that's what Colin Hutchinson intimated, wasn't it? He does on, he does on the video. But he, but he also intimates that he thinks, like we all do, that it cost us. But uh, cost us? Yeah, yeah. We, should have, we should have got a striker in. Um um, Viali didn't pick himself. I, I, I disagree with Jacob. I, I don't blame you know, Viali. You know, I, I think the, the only thing I blame Viali is not getting a striker in. You know, I think on, on that one, he should have got a striker in. No, no, no question at all. Uh, but 
we still qualify for the Champions League for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's that's a plus point as well. I think the other thing as well, you know, is we saw some really good football this season. Yeah, some that's players exceptional games. You know, the the win at Blackburn, the win at Villa, you know, the home defeat of Liverpool. That was that two one game. I know it was overshadowed by the homophobia displayed by Robert Fair, but that was a big win beating Liverpool. We, you know, Desai was magnificent that day. So there were big wins. Winning at Arsenal on my birthday, 5-0. Fantastic. So, you know, there were some really big wins, I think. But it comes back to we didn't score enough goals. We only scored 57 goals in the league. United got 80. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think that was the fundamental problem is we didn't have, you know, someone to put the ball in the net often enough. So our wins, we were winning 1-0s, we were winning 2-1. Yeah, other than beating Arsenal in the League Cup, we never really batted many teams. When we should we should have done, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I mean, and I would add to that actually. And I mean, I I don't have as harsh a view perhaps as J.K. does on Viali. Although I would agree with you, Mark. I think I think that it was ridiculous that they didn't get another striker in because they could have done easily. Even you know Sutton. I mean, you know, if you if you're going for the title as we were, and you've lost. And here's the other thing, and I think this is where we need to be, a, you know, more even-handed because I think you also need a bit of luck to win titles too. You lose your best, you lose your, you know, your biggest signing, the big striker who was there to, you know, either score goals or help other people score goals. You lose Loudrup, another, you know, attacking player who you expect to score goals. You lose Poye, who's scoring most of your goals for three months. And you lose Flo for six weeks and a really critical point of the season who also has been scoring goals. You know, that's crippling. And I think it was crippling. But even just losing Kazaragi he should have got another striker in just to do a job. And he could or have played done. himself, Chidge, or played himself. Or, or played himself. I agree with that as well, JK. But I think, you know, I think any manager, if you if you have that opportunity, uh, which they did, because the transfer windows were different in those days, weren't they? Then you would have gone out and bought somebody uh, to just for six fucking months. I mean, we used to do it back in the 80s and the early 90s. If you remember, we signed Clive Allen. You we know? did it the following season with George Weir. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it just it just yeah. seems nuts. And I mean, Colin Hutchinson was kind of saying, well, Viali would have rather have waited until the summer and get who he really, really wanted. Maybe it was a money thing. Maybe that's what we don't know. Maybe Bates was saying, well, if you go and buy one now, I'm not going to give you any money in the summer. Would they have not got the insurance for Kassaragi? Yeah, but not immediately. Yeah. You know. For all we know, it might have been the money. As we said at the beginning, yeah, they've got the 75 million euro bond. They spent big in the summer. It didn't work out. They spent big. They broke the club record in getting Kazaragi. They're paying the £6 million interest on the euro bond. You've got the fight of over the planning application. So the West End you know, loses income, all the corporate hospitality. So the money wasn't coming in because it was delayed for two years. So for all we know, they were sort of said, well, actually, you bought your striker. We haven't got the insurance money until we do. You can't buy anyone until next season. Yeah, you don't know. Exactly. Maybe they could have played for Sal Moore, who knows, but he was only 17, for God's sake. But the, I think you're right, Mark. The reality is is that what really... I mean, the two things that... Co- well, I think the real thing that cost us was exactly as you said. It was a lack of goals, and our goal difference proves that. Probably also a lack of discipline as well, because we talked about the Arsenal game at the start of the season and Arsenal's notorious record. We had 106 yellow cards this season and seven reds. So we, we lost players as well through suspension. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, I don't have a problem players, you know, getting you know, physical. But yeah, you know, we got players, you know, 
banned and booked for silly things as well over the course of the season. So I don't know whether that, you know, was, you know, because I think there is a, a thing about Viali as well, and it's more reflected in the following season. You know, he was struggling from going to being like the most popular person in the dressing room with managing a group of 11 internationals, most of whom he was close friends with. Yeah. And I think, I can't remember, I think Dean Matteo sort of said it. The very thing that Viali criticised Hullet over for ostracising him, not picking him, not playing, during the course of his reign, certainly as you move, there were certain players that, you know, Viali didn't pick, and Petrescu was one of them. And so, you know, Viali falls out with Petrescu. He later falls out and may have already fallen out with Di Matteo. He certainly falls out with Desai. He falls out with Deschamps and he falls out with Zola. Yeah, oh, so maybe there was some of that early signs going on as well. I think I think Mother Teresa, I think Mother Teresa could fall out with Deschamps. To be fair, but the others is unforgivable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, anybody who wears a leather trench coat, you need to be very, very worried about. <laughs> and he does anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think losing the strikers, not replacing them, hit us on the goals front. That really crippled us. But, of course, I think if we look at it as... Ma- and I think, yeah, you're right, Mark. The discipline was a, a major factor. Losing Dennis Wise for a lot of times was a good point. And if just very quick... Wise, well, yeah, go on, sorry. No, no, go on, go on, go on. If you lose Wise's career, there are too many moments, in, despite me loving him as a player, mm. and what, what, a, what a brilliant Chelsea career he had. And, and, and he was a, brilliant this season, JK. He, he when was he brilliant. Played, Wise absolutely. was absolutely brilliant. And wonderful. We, wonderful. But my, my love for him... Well, yeah. will we'll never will never cease just of his his abilities his his ability to find pair players long long short passes hated giving the ball away his effort but his disciplinary record his the like the one of the tackles that he made in the over the top in the middle of the pitch it was against the Villa was it the Villa player absolute yeah. madness some the red mist descended too often and got ultimately um, there were some games that he should not have been missing for. But through his lack of discipline, yeah, yeah it, it affected the club. Definitely. Uh, I mean, if you want to put it in, in terms of matches, you're you're absolutely right, both of you. It was uh, it's a bit like that scene from uh, A Bridge Too Far, isn't it, with Dick uh, uh, Bogard, Dirk Bogard, which bridge was it? Well, it for us, it was Blackburn, West Ham, Leicester at home, uh, plus the draws against Borough on Wednesday. I think, you know, we win two or three out of those, we would have won the league, as we said, so... I mean, I think, look, you know, again, looking at it a little bit more holistically and with a lot of time having passed, it was it was still a brilliant season. I mean, it was very exciting. It's the first time in my lifetime that I actually thought we'd have a chance of winning the title. So I think that needs to be put in perspective. Um, and we played some great football and we went deep in all the cup competitions, you know, given given that we've been relegated and worse and given that we've been knocked out by the likes of Orient and, and Wickham in cups past. This is a pretty damn good season. And I have to say, after the disappointment dissipated, I was massively excited, Mark, that we were going to compete in the Champions League in the next season because, weirdly enough, in those days, we hadn't actually achieved it before and it's felt really important that we were going to be messing with the big boys. Oh, absolutely. And, and to qualify for the Champions League, we beat Dirty Leeds to do it. You know, so I, I remember that was a massive, massive game. We got through the Champions League, and the atmosphere afterwards was tremendous. So yeah, I despite agree all the disappointments that had gone before Mallorca, Blackburn at home, West Ham, Leicester, you know, the delight on Chelsea fans that night of a beating Leeds, but b getting into the Champions League by beating Leeds was really, really significant. And yeah, you know, the Champions League next season is a story in itself. 
Well, you know, I was just going to say, Mark, it's funny, isn't it? And this is the beauty of having done this whole series of of, of shows on on uh, on Chelsea's fifty, you know, the fifty years of Chelsea history. You know, the last time before this that I actually started dreaming madly that we might win the title was in, in I think it, I always get my dates muddled up, but I think it was the eighty five eighty six season, yeah. where where I actually thought we might might have a chance stupidly, and then of course we screwed it royally by shooting ourselves in the foot by losing to West Ham four nil and QPR six nil. So I suppose in the context of what we're talking about tonight, it wasn't quite as bad as that. Although I suspect that we were, I was a bit unrealistic about winning the title in, in, in you know, in eighty five, eighty six. But there you go. But yeah, it was much closer this time. I, 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 then you thought, wow, it's like you know, we've only just come up from the second yeah. division, you know, second year back. You know, enjoy the ride. You know, um, but this time round, you sort of think, what might have been? We, we were that close. We were just, very close. You could smell it. You think the very it's fact that we won the FA Cup and we then won the Cup Winners' Cup, don't you think that was the that, that that was what my expectations were such? Rather than forgiving them, I was very critical because I felt we had the team and the the uh, um, the the impetus to actually put pressure. Well, on we knew how to that. win things, didn't we? Yeah, we, we yeah exactly. Yeah. So I, I, that's what made it so such a disappointing season for me because I felt we had a fantastic series of players and all right, we were beset by injury, but I, 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 I got bemused, I got confused by his um, uh, strange lack of effort towards the end of the season. I think, he, I think he actually went on record after the Leicester game saying, we've lost it, we've, yeah, we've, which, is, which, which was an utterly stupid Too thing. emotional. Too emotional. Yeah. I mean, it was really interesting, actually, in the, in the season review when he was interviewed, and he and and it was a very revealing moment. I thought where he was talking about whether he enjoyed the job, and he's you know that he was clearly very conflicted and split by it. There was a lot. He he loved the job on the one hand, but I think he hated it on the other. And I think he, the reason he hated it was not just the stress; it was the relationships with the players because he couldn't handle not being one of the boys again. You know, he didn't like being the bad guy. And I mean, look, I'm a psychotherapist by trade. And I'm telling you now, there's a lot of people out there who have a massive deep need to be liked. And if you're the manager of a football team, you can give that one up for starters. You know, so maybe there was that that at play. Listen, I'm going to finish up with another potential positive about Viali, JK and Mark. I shall ask Mark first. Um, We can now say with hindsight, like I was trying to say with Desai earlier on, but... Maybe maybe Viali's greatest contribution period, let alone this season, was uh, bringing a certain John Terry through to the club, to the yeah, team, rather. Definitely, yeah. Gave John Terry his debut, so saw something in John Terry. Uh, obviously, John Terry, you know, as the story goes, was going to go to Nottingham Forest. He was, he was there on loan. I think he was also going to go to Huddersfield at one point. So Viali saw something in him, gave him his opportunity. And look what history has shown down the years. So, yeah, credit Gianluca Viali for spotting something in John Terry, spotting the talent there, giving him his head, you know. And, you know, the other thing I'd say about Viali as well, if you look at the transfers he got that season, I'd still say also Albert Ferrer, a really, really good buy by Viali. Yeah. And I'd still yeah. I'd, I'd still say Desai as well, I'd be honest with yeah. you there. In, in the big games, definitely. Desai was a big game player. And you'll see it in the Champions League next season. Some of the Champions League game, Desai was in his he, element. Yes, he he's remarkable, and I agree completely, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know, I say this all the time at this stage of the show, J.K. 
But I've got to be honest, next season is absolutely one of my favourite seasons <laughs> for Chelsea. <laughs> well, this was one of my favourites, this one. Yeah. But uh, but uh, unfortunately, as the programme has gone on now, as the show's gone on, I've realised it was actually possibly one of my most miserable. I know, but it wouldn't be you without that, JK. That's that's the beauty of it. But that's football, mate. That It, it, it messes with your emotions, man. Doesn't it? Anyway, we've messed with everybody's emotions for far too long tonight, as we always have. But it's, as as ever, just been so much fun and really brilliant to have a pretty forensic look at the 1998-1999 season. And I, I hope you've enjoyed it out there as half as much as we have. But, uh, Mark, as always, uh, we are indebted to you and your super, supercharged brain remembering all these things with your great anecdotes about it as well. So thank you, as ever. No, as ever, a, a pleasure to be on. Yeah, I would say, you know, over the course of the season, you know, most part of it, I enjoyed it immensely. There's just four or five games that just, you know, you just, or you, yeah. you, you just kick yourself and think, you know, wasted opportunity there. But yeah, absolutely, it's funny, isn't it? That 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 uh, Steve Guppy moments up there with oh. the Carnu moment oh. in disappointments, but uh... oh, Guppy's up there with Sunderland in 1992. Yeah, it is, you know, isn't it? it is. header. Yeah, yeah, definitely. J.K., you've been brilliant as you always no, are. No, I, I, I can't, can't possibly. I'm bowed down hugely to. I'm too jealous. Mark. Yeah, but your your raw emotion, seeing you go from happy to de- depressed in the space <laughs> of three hours, I, is just I live wonderful. The season doing. I, I live the season live it. doing live that. Yeah. Doing that. That doing the show. Quite phenomenal. I thought, oh god, I remember it all so vividly now. Oh no. But I'm really, I'm so jealous, Mark. Your your ability to remember stuff is fantastic. I just, it's so, so superb. Um, little incidents in matches where you go, oh, God, I've forgotten about that completely. Oh, wow. Uh, the hot dog. I love the hot dog. The Paul Durkin oh, yeah, yeah. hot dog is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say the little aspects of it, I, I love the, the fact that the, the policeman actually persuaded the referee to not award the goal, otherwise there'd be a riot. It really was. It got to that moment in the Oldham game. And uh, and what was so bizarre was that um, um, uh, beside me, well, going back to an incident we talked about beside me robert steen dear robert steen was was making a comment about the crowd and saying aren't they so wonderful the crowd here and a man next to him a chap said i wish this block would just fuck off (laughs) (laughs) brilliant brilliant stuff well he was so he was so posh but um uh, but no, I, I, it's um, it's lovely to be on the show, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm right, rightly, Mark, Mark, you could, you could do this on your own, Mark. It's so, so entertaining and so interesting. Oh, who, no, who would no. ask him the questions, Jake? Oh, well, no, you two no, could I do it then. No, 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 no. I'd be, I'd be. I'd be man who, as as the show gets on, gets more and more depressed. We need your misery, J.K. <laughs> it adds breadth and depth to the show. Anyway, enough, enough, enough. Uh, look, like uh, like James Bond, we will return, uh, but we don't. A bit like Vera Lynn, we don't quite know where and we don't quite know when, but we will uh, come back with the uh, nineteen ninety nine two thousand episode of 50 years of chelsea at some time in the future i I already can't wait for that because as i said it's one of my favorite seasons but that people is the 1998-99 season i hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have as i said and we will see you again very soon uh and until then up Up the chelsea